Hi, today is May 1st, 2022. My name is Juni, and welcome to the Theta Gang Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGang.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions. Anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in PayPal and AMD. Thank you. Okay, uh, so this week I've spent a lot of time learning new things just about like finance and the stock market in general. And I think a lot of the, these new things I've been learning, I'm going to pass on to you guys and girls in the next few episodes of the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, you you ever have those feelings when uh, you pick up a hobby or maybe you've been in a hobby for a long time or maybe it's like your job and then you stay in it for a little bit because you're enjoying it. And then like a year later, you like look back and um, or maybe like a few years later, you like look back and, and think like, wow. At that time when I thought, you know, I was pretty decent at it, I really did not know all that much. And so I'm kind of having one of those moments right now where I'm taking like the next step in like getting a little bit more comfortable with like finance terms and uh, just like what to look for when it get, when markets get scary. Because a lot of what helped me during the bottom of COVID is um, still relevant to today because a lot of the fundamentals of, you know, holding uh, a stock uh, because, you know, one of the first steps of buying a stock still in my eyes, despite learning all these new technical stuff, is buying something that you really like or that's a stock that you really love so that, you know, in case of a downturn, you're not looking for someone else's opinion or someone else's preference, but you still have your own. Um, so I'm taking the next step in finding out, you know, uh, just how to look at company finances uh, and then also uh, going one level deeper and like figuring out like, oh, you know, uh, there's such thing as free cash flow. You know, it's usually good if a company is cash flow positive. Uh, but what's the difference between levered and unlevered cash flow? And then which one's used for like discounted cash flow analysis? What are the pros and cons of cash flow analysis? And, you know, what are the pros and cons of just uh, maybe taking account of like, uh, what's another calculation valuation method? Uh, like, looking at you know earnings per share and then um, calculating the projected growth and then um, you know scaling that out for like five years and then taking in a minimum growth percentage there are so many different ways to value stocks uh, a lot of which include downloading everyone's specific uh, like Excel calculator on YouTube because everyone has a different method of calculating everyone has a different, um, thesis on where stocks can go so they set up their excel sheet differently but more or less they're also uh, pulling numbers from the same source whether that's yahoo finance or any other um, popular um, uh, you know just a stock data website so i've been learning a lot uh, just on how to um, evaluate companies and i think it's been helping me uh, come up with like um, new uh, stock ideas i've been looking at costco i'm exploring nike I'm looking at like PayPal and AMD, my current positions that I'm currently down on and seeing like what are the risk rewards of staying in um, versus, you know, and when, while the market is going down, there is a world where if some other stock that I truly think and that I truly love um, has a good case for a rebound um, and PayPal and AMD don't, there might be a world where I do sell for a loss uh, and then put that money into a new stock. But all of that is very new to me. Right, I'm the person that got assigned $80,000 worth of stock at the bottom of COVID. And what helped me then was to just stay in the positions, dollar cost average down, and then also just 
uh, not be afraid to flip the switch and become bullish again and ride the wave back up. But what I'm currently seeing and why I think a lot of people are currently seeing right now is that the sentiment is different. Um, there is like inflation scare rather than like a pandemic scare. Pandemic scares are a bit different uh, than inflationary scares from my experience, right? I, and I say experience like I've gone through several pandemics. No, I've just gone through one, but I feel like I've been very vocal and very uh, transparent throughout the entire process. So I have a, I have a very good understanding and very good proven track record that I can navigate those situations or that situation um, well. So it, what I'm experiencing now uh, for this inflation scare is all I can think about is that people are not dying as often uh, to the pandemic. When uh, we talk about the pandemic or when we were at the pandemic uh, low uh, for the COVID crash of the stock market, you know, I thought about like how humans are, we're, we're really simple, right? We like to keep things simple and um, seeing the death toll numbers get lower and lower was a very bullish indicator, right? Like, okay, people are dying less. This is getting uh, more hopeful that things will return back to normal and we're good. That was uh, one of the things that helped me like be the optimistically bullish uh, Junie that like you all know on the podcast um, this inflationary scare though is a lot less obvious right the inflation like what what is that how do you calculate it um, you know unemployment numbers how do you calculate that and uh, what, are, what are the other what are the, what are the other things like interest rates like these are all pretty foreign concepts to the average investor and so when you bring up these really like gray points um, uh, to justify like why the stock market might go might be going down, it's a lot harder to grasp for the average um, I don't know I guess casual investor. So it can spark a lot of like feeling of unknown and doubt of just like okay the stock market seems to just keep going down. Like what's the point of this? Uh, I thought the stock market was only supposed to go up. Like, what's the point of this all? Like, why do I keep putting in money? I keep losing money. Uh, when is it going to stop, right? Before, for the pandemic, it was just more along the lines of, okay, we can return back to normal as long as people stop dying. And, you know, that thankfully that happened. And, you know, not uh, although it's not completely gone, because, you know, that can absolutely spark an entire riot these days of just how you address the pandemic topic. But... You know, it's a lot less of an issue than it was like at the very bottom of the COVID crash because we had such a simple indicator of just like, okay, are people dying less to this pandemic? Are we doing a better job now than before of, you know, making sure that it doesn't get out of control? And yes, we are. And so now the focus is now on something else and it's mon like dealing with the monetary consequences that we. Uh, basically have now because we put monetary like incentives in place during the COVID bottom, which is a lot, again, uh, harder to understand for the average investor. So given that, uh, given that there's so much gray area um, in, you know, just interest rates, unemployment numbers, inflation, I wanted to take the time to just like come up with a plan on how I'm just going to navigate this scenario. And a part of that plan um, included thinking about do I want to learn more about interest rates, inflation, and unemployment numbers 
everything that goes into that. No. I thought about it, and that would just make me a at-home uh, economist. And I'm not really interested in that route. What I think I do best is uh, coming up with systems that personally work for me and that personally motivate me to stay active in the market. And, you know, by the word active, I don't mean like actively trading. I mean like, you know, personally engage with the market, you know, trying to learn more. And so I want to focus my efforts in, you know, something that um, coincides well with a market that is going down. And so I thought I would start putting my effort into finding what the intrinsic value of companies can be and what valuation models look like and how valuation models work. Because, yes, we have overextended uh, a good bit. And some a lot of stocks have been correcting because we've just been valuating companies and putting money into companies um, based on like a stellar track record of making sure that nothing is going wrong. Um, and now we see that things are going wrong, not necessarily on a company level, but on a macro level. Inflation is bad. That's as much as I know about inflation, right? It makes things cost more, um, and then it might make interest rates go up, which might make uh, money more expensive for companies to borrow, which means companies um, have lower margins and um, you know, grow slower because of that. They bring in less revenue, or they bring in less income. Sorry, um, uh, because of you know these increased expenses of just like interest rates and all this stuff. So, growth is slowing, and so growth is being corrected a bit. And now it's just up to everyone to find. Okay, when is it going to be a good time to either reinvest, or when is it going to be a good time to put in more money in case if you need to double down on anything or dollar cost average on anything. And so that's where I wanted to put uh, the majority of my focus. So over the next few weeks, uh, I'll be going over, you know, just some things that I have been finding out and learning about, um, thanks to YouTube and Google, of just like how we can start justifying some of the valuations that these companies currently have. So before we get into uh, today's topic, um, I want to go ahead and just give a courtesy reminder that the FOMC is meeting uh, on May 3rd and 4th uh, to discuss interest rates. There will more than likely be a interest rate hike. Reuters believes that there will be two uh, interest rate hikes of uh, half a basis point in May and June. They also predict that um, because of the aggressive hikes for May and June, that the uh, hikes later in the year will be a quarter of a point. So there will be some tapering off there. Um, yeah, but again, these are also just predictions. Uh, Reuters is not always correct. There is always a surprise factor. Uh, the FOMC or the Fed could uh, surprise everyone and do a full basis point hike. Um, or maybe they surprise us by only doing a quarter of a point instead of a half a point. So, um, Reuters, while they are correct, uh, I'd say most of the time, um, there is still a chance that uh, the numbers that are announced are different. These are only predictions provided by Reuters. And with those hikes, um, I mean, I would... I, I'm assuming that there's a hike, right? It would be very, very surprising if there was not a hike. I think that would actually be bearish uh, to a point, um, because it would just it would just mean that inflation is just going to keep growing. Anyway, um, I'm not sure just exactly how the market's going to react um, with these uh, interest rate hikes. No one knows. So 
you know, if you are thinking about making an options play or buying stocks um, and having this be part of your due diligence of this incoming interest rate hike, I would probably just, you know, remind you that there are other ways to justify getting into a position. I think making a decision based solely on the interest rate hike is a very dangerous idea because you're at that point just essentially uh, playing like an earnings play. You're you're betting on an unknown outcome that has an unknown reaction to that outcome, right? Like we we know we don't know how much the the Fed will raise by, and we also don't know how the market would react to that. And that's you know one of the things I don't like about earnings is that like. We don't know if they're going to post a positive earnings report. And even if they do post a positive earnings report, how will the market react? Like, are they going to take, or is the market going to take profits or is the market going to buy more? Like, you just never know. And so, this is just a reminder that, you know, that you don't have to play these events. Um, You owe it to yourself to, you know, uh, you know, Invest your money accordingly, of course, to how you want to because it's your hard-earned money. But it's it's just that. It's your hard-earned money. You worked really hard um, through the pandemic and through just all this turmoil that we've been having, you know, or just, you know, I don't want to even over, over like, over-dramatize it, you know, if you're one of those college kids that, like, ah, yeah, I was fine the entire time. You, Dude, you worked, or a girl, you worked really hard for that money. You might as well put it, to good use right like buy some company that you like or you know maybe you don't even invest it you just go out for a steak dinner or like get like a really nice mcdonald's meal like all of that stuff just seems way better than playing a binary like er, like earnings slash um interest rate play (laughs) and speaking of earnings uh this week is uh pretty packed with uh some notable companies um after uh, close on Monday, uh, you have Expedia and Chegg. Um, before open on Tuesday, there's Pfizer. After close on Tuesday, there's AMD, Airbnb, Starbucks, and Lyft. Before open on Wednesday, you have Moderna um, and CVS. Uh, after close on Wednesday, you have Uber, Etsy, Twilio, and Skills. Before open on Thursday, there is Shopify, Crocs, and Datadog. After close on Thursday, you have Cloudflare, Wish, and DoorDash. And then before open on Friday, you have DraftKings, Under Armour, and Goodyear. We have been getting some pretty crazy um, reactions from, and I don't mean crazy like, oh, it's wrong, but like we have been getting some pretty volatile um, earnings results. So like Amazon, for example, um, their cash flow negative now because they're spending a lot of their capital expenditures on making sure that um, what is it like their their servers last a year longer for AWS and stuff and so they're trying to make sh- they're trying to I guess improve their margins in AWS um, and they're just taking like an initial hit in the beginning so they're scaling out their infrastructure there and which of which I would not know uh, if I hadn't taken the time to learn more about just like how to look at company financials. So, you know, I feel kind of cool because I'm, I'm able to say those things now and like actually know what that means. 
But we'll, we'll, if that didn't make any sense to you, like, trust me, like, I, I was there just, like, a week ago, probably, but now I know. But uh, these next few episodes, I'll be, you know, kind of explaining, like, you know, all the things I've learned, what are the most important things that I think that you should look into if you did want to learn more about this stuff. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a knee-jerk reaction from Amazon. Amazon went down, what, like 15%? Was that, was that correct? Or am I, am I just remembering that wrong? Like, it was a pretty big drop. Yeah, 15% um, for the Amazon earnings. Amazon is down year-to-date almost 30%, minus 27%. Wow. And then um, a lot of that was actually probably fueled with the negative sentiment that Netflix put on the market because Netflix has has finally showed the tipping point of their um their growth potential where they had the first time in its history uh its growth slowed down instead of um going up so the market has priced that in pretty hard uh year to date netflix has dropped 68 percent which is nuts that is crazy. Like at the top, at the peak of Netflix, Netflix cost is six eighty seven, six or six ninety one, almost seven hundred dollars, and is now down to one ninety. So a lot of these big, big companies are getting um, corrected, and uh, it's kind of just up to you to find, uh, you know, w- at what point do you believe in the company enough and its financials enough to buy more, uh, especially with this macro level correction that we've been having with inflation fears economy fears and just understanding that like hey we did go up a lot during covid um and you know people were just very bullish of the bounce of the bottom and you know people are doing better than ever people were overcoming this pandemic yeah hurrah but then now the sentiment is shifting where you know maybe uh, value investing might come back right value investing um, was just like not possible for like the last uh, two years from like I'd say like you know mid COVID rally because a lot of companies were trading at multiples that were insane and it'd be very hard to find any company that was trading um, at its fair valuation because just so many people were pumping money into the market and make driving prices up um, but you know a lot of those prices um, from growth investing over the like the last year and a half two years. Those are starting to come down to levels where value investing um, is still kind of out of the question. That's just how far we've extended. But these prices are just way more attractive than they used to be. I mean, for example, if we look at Shopify, Shopify was trading, oh my goodness, was trading at at one point uh, $1,700 and is now at $426. So you know, there's there there is that meme. You know, if you loved Shopify at $1,700. Uh, or if you liked that seventeen hundred, you're gonna love it at four hundred twenty six dollars. <laughs> it's like that that just never changes. You know, the only thing that's really changed about Shopify is the the entire sentiment of it all. I mean, there's been some recent news about um, Amazon creating the pay with Prime button um, that might be eating into it, which I've been kind of keeping up with because that kind of affects my PayPal position. But there's so many things going on and instead of like panicking and just blindly putting money in which is also a a good case in itself because like what's wrong with dollar cost averaging if you just do it on a regular interval for the rest of your life so maybe you know 
blindly putting money in is not a bad thing if you do it on a regular interval. But you know, if you're that type of person that's like, oh, the market's down at down uh, like three or four percent today. I don't think it's gonna go down any lower for at least a while. So I'm just gonna put money in right now. Like I'm gonna put like a good chunk of money in so I could you know get that profit. But who's to say that that's that's the time and place to do it when you're just like kind of doing it by feeling. Um, today we're going to be talking about the put to call ratio in today's topic that might give you a little bit more in depth into just like how oversold or overbought the market can be at times. I'll be putting or putting more color into that. Is that what the business speak is? Um, and then just like giving you like a little bit more information on just like where we can be uh, when it comes to uh, this correction. One last thing before we head into today's topic is um, just like what I've been working on for thetygame.com. I've been learning a whole lot about finance, um, particularly how to evaluate businesses and companies. Are, are they the same thing? I'm pretty sure they're the same thing. See, I, I mean, I Google these questions all the time because, you know, as I'm learning all these new things, I want to kind of speak the right way uh, when it comes to like mentioning numbers and stuff because it gets really, really granular at times which is great um, when you want, want to learn more, but it's also not great if you're trying to, you know, figure out what people are actually talking about because I, I guess I'll just kind of explain. So I, um, I have been learning how to uh, evaluate companies. And a lot of that is like discounted cash flow analysis. Uh, a lot of it's uh, like projected earnings growth uh, analysis. And what, what it basically means is like, you know, if a company, for example, the earnings earnings based analysis, if a company has this much earnings per share, um, then and then like I don't know, these analysts have an average um, projected growth of like twenty percent, which means year over year over year compounding, um, this company is expected to make twenty percent more earnings. Then you project that five years into the future, and then you say like, okay, um, the price to earnings ratio today based on earnings in five years, say that the intrinsic value or the value of the company or the value of the share of the company today should be this number. And then, you know, you start realizing that there are some companies that are trading way beyond even like the five-year mark. And you, I see from personal calculation that like a lot of these companies are still extended way beyond that, which is kind of expected though because we're in a growth, we've been in a growth oriented mindset and so value one, just because there's a whole lot of more money pumping into stocks and whatnot. But that that's slowly changing and I'm just being more open to, you know, slowly getting into more value investing and that's that whatnot. Um, but anyway, learning about all of this, like, um, like earnings per share, price to earnings, and then like um, forecasting that with like growth numbers, I've learned that section. I've also learned about discount cash flow analysis and how that um, that you know uses uh, free cash flow. Like, what does it mean if a company has negative free cash flow? What is capital expenditures? What is whack? Like, what is a weighted average cost of capital? Like, what is what's the importance of that versus using a general number? What's the importance of like say for example using uh, unlevered cash flow versus levered cash flow? What the heck does any of that mean? Um, you know, what is operational income versus financial income? Um, like all of these different numbers that you have to use to use for these valuations, uh, for these Excel calculators, I like to call them because everyone on YouTube has a different way of calculating things. 
And then, but then everyone basically has the same process. Everyone has like an Excel sheet that they love to use or that they came up with. And then they go to Yahoo Finance or all these other different websites. And they, they are manually copying and pasting all these numbers into this Excel sheet. And it takes a really long time. And I'm talking like, when I say really long time, I mean like five minutes. Uh, for each stock that you want to do it with and then you kind of like play around with the numbers for the numbers to make sense and then uh it just and that's how you do it like that's the normal process you go to like three different sites for like uh like eight to nine different numbers that you need to plug into the excel calculator that you need to copy and paste and then maybe sometimes you need to flip the values because sometimes numbers are in thousands and sometimes numbers are just like raw and you can just see the like the billion the number in billions it's it's a whole lot and um, what I've been doing is like writing a script that kind of like gets all the information that uh, all these people are like copy and pasting that where I can just type in, you know, whatever stock I want to search up like AMD and it'll just do the discount cash flow analysis for me for the numbers that I would look at. Um, there is like a whole lot of stuff uh, on just like learning about finance that you can learn about by just learning how to evaluate a company with one of these methods. I think learning how to do a discounted cash flow analysis taught me the most, though I think a lot of um, calculating a intrinsic value company based on forward projected earnings taught me a lot of the basics of just like, okay, yeah, this one's really general. Yeah, this one's based on earnings, but the downfall of this one is that like it doesn't keep track of debt. Like this looks great if the company doesn't have any debt, but most companies have debt, and if you don't account for that, like, what if they decide to tack on more debt, um, you know, and just finding out, like, how people, or not people, but how companies also pay their dividends, like, did you know that you could take out debt to pay dividends, uh, and why sometimes um, dividends isn't taken out of, like, say, uh, a company's, like, income, rather they raise money to pay dividends, like all these things I'm like just now starting to learn and that, that of course affects like these valuations. But um, yeah, I think moral of the story or just the moral of this section of the podcast is, you know, I'm learning a lot because I'm learning how to evaluate companies based on Excel sheets. And what I've been working on for ThetaGain.com is just the ability to um, get these cash flow analyses or just, you know, valuation of companies from a, a simpler process because I, I don't like spending most of the time copying and pasting values um, and uh, yeah so been learning a lot there um, going into this next section um, this has a, a lot less to do with like fundamentals per se in terms of like finances I'll kind of get into more of that stuff uh, in the next few episodes today I want to talk about like the fear factor is what I've been like remembering it by is the put to call ratio so there is a, um, a not a ticker but there is I don't know what this is considered like you you do like the cash symbol CPC um, it's called the CBO like CBOE uh, let me see CPC put the, I, I'm actually I'm just call it the CBO um, but there's a there's a ratio that is that you can look up. Uh, that is the number of like put options over the number of call options, and uh, you can use it to determine just like how fearful people are. So, for example, just to put it in really simple terms, when people get scared, you buy puts, right? Like when you when you're scared and you want to hedge, you buy puts. You you are betting that the market is going to go down, 
And so when a lot of people buy puts, it's just a good versus calls. It's just a good indicator of like sentiment. It's not end all be all of just like, okay, this is, this is just how fearful people are. Cause there's a million other factors that you could take account of. But I think put to call ratio is the simplest one that um, works for me. Like I think I'll be using this a lot more in the future and looking at this when, it, when times get scary. Um, Cause yeah, what if we come out of this inflation news just fine, but then the, the tensions on Ukraine and Russia escalate and then, you know, maybe it's time to revisit scary scenarios again then the put to call ratio will absolutely be one of the first things that I look at. It's just like how much more room are people left to be fearful? How can I relate this to any other uh, event that we've had before and uh, whatnot? So today we're gonna be talking about the put to call ratio, how, where you can find it, uh, what to look at, where its current values are at, and what I think of where we're at right now. So uh, I view the put-to-call ratio at stockcharts.com. I'll put the link actually in the show description for this episode. Um, to Just to recap, again, the put-to-call ratio is just a number of puts that are bought versus calls that are bought um, that are traded in the major uh, indexes like the Dow and NASDAQ and S&P 500. Um, when there are more puts, people are more scared. When people are uh, bullish, they buy more calls, driving this ratio down. So for example, a bullish uh, uh, put-to-call ratio is like anything less than 0.5, really, because that just means um, less puts are um, purchased uh, than calls. Uh, as, as the name entails, it's put-to-call ratio or put-over-call ratio. So the put number is always first divided by the number of calls. So anything less than 0.5 is bullish. Anything um, more than 0.5 indicates that there's more puts being bought and is bearish. So on Friday, uh, April 29th, uh, the stock market went down. Uh, it went down a good bit and uh, it, was, it was pretty swift. And I can imagine a lot of people were kind of freaking out. Um, on Friday, uh, the put-to-call ratio was one3 it reached 1.33 and is the highest the put to call ratio has been since the COVID bottom. So if you know if this is any indicator, it does mean that people are this uh, the most scared now that they've been since the COVID bottom. The COVID bottom, uh, the put to call ratio was uh, 1.83, and so that is uh you know it's a it's a cool way to look at you know whether or not you think uh that there's more room for people to be scared which is also a, a weird way to look at it but um yeah if you believe that um people will be as scared as the covid bottom then there is still room for the stock market to uh, go down or at least for the people to be more scared what you can also infer uh, with this number is that uh, because we're at 1.33 right now and at the COVID bottom, the number was at 1.83, um, that there's still room to capitulate, which means, um, you know, capitulate, it, the way I th think about capitulating is, it, it's a fancy word, there's a lot of syllables in there, I know, 
um, is like people giving up, traders giving up. It's like capitulating is like, okay, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of my portfolio going down. I'm just going to sell all my stocks at whatever price the market will give me right now, and I'm just going to get out. That's what capitulating is, and that's what you. That's it's typically the cause of very sharp, sharp um, drops in market price um, or the stock market. And so, uh, when that happens, yeah, you will see lows very, very quickly, and you will see lots of puts being bought because people want to start hedging and people want to, um, uh, you know, just bet on the market going down, maybe profit on the way down, but that can only go down so much because there will eventually be demand on the other side. So on when you look at the put-to-call ratio, every time there has been like an extreme for the put-to-call ratio, aka the 2018 interest rate hike of October 2018, aka uh, the bottom of COVID where the put-to-call ratio was at an all-time high, and then now, we're sitting at 1.33, not all-time high, but it sure is scary. Um, every time it's reached a high, there has been a very vicious bounce. And I mean very, very vicious. So uh, the decision that you have to make now is, or at least one of them, because there's a lot of decisions to make, is do you think people will be as scared as the COVID bottom? And if so, yes, there is still room for people to buy more puts to make the put to call ratio go up. There's still room for the market to go down and there is still the possibility to capitulate. A lot of people think like, oh, you know what? People are starting to uh, uh, starting to dollar cost average just a bit more aggressively or, you know, oh, I hear that my friend is buying stocks really aggressively right now because he thinks it's the bottom. Now you have just a little bit more data than just like listening to what other people are doing. You can go... Uh, and check out the link in the uh, show's description and look at the chart yourself, you can now look at the put-to-call ratio and just use that as just one more data point to help you inform like, hey, you know, like, do I think with this information of the put-to-call ratio, do I think the bottom might be in yet? Or do I think there's more left room to go down? So here is my opinion. Um, I am I am more in the mood, <laughs> more in the mood, <laughs> what a choice of words. I am more in a mindset, more in the mode, uh, maybe, maybe that's a better word, to kind of still choose to sit out. Um, the the main thing that I've been saying for the last few weeks on the podcast and the Discord and Twitter um, and emails just have been like, you know, there is the risk reward for waiting for an uptrend still seem to be really good. Even if you think the put-to-call ratio will go higher, the history still remains the same. Every time it has reached a really high peak, there has been a vicious, vicious rally. So if you just wait for that vicious rally, maybe you don't catch the bottom, but you wait for an uptrend, it is still in your best interest to maybe wait for that uptrend. Like you don't have to catch the bottom. You don't have to buy stocks right at the high of the put-to-call ratio. You can still wait and see if there's a um, becomes an established bottom, right? Like who knows? Maybe this can be the all-time high, even more scary than the COVID bottom, and put-to-call ratios go higher than 1.83. We just don't know yet. Um, but uh, you know, if you do think that you know inflation doesn't justify 
that uh, people should be as scared as COVID, then yeah, maybe right now is the time you actually do start dollar cost averaging if you haven't started already, um, or you just you know decide like, hey, you know what, maybe I'll just be a little bit more active than I was for like the last month because. You know, the last month has been really bad to look at the market. I kind of like looked away for a while, but you know, maybe now is the time I start looking again. All of this, um, I think that there is, there is still a chance that people overreact. Um, I don't know just exactly how much I believe in that it will be as scary as the COVID bottom. Like I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but again. Like I, I thought I had a like a pretty high chance of dying at the COVID bottom, right? If I went to the grocery store, so and I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I could go to the grocery store and shop just fine. And I feel like every time I sit in traffic, I just think like, wow, look at how many people are not scared anymore. So from like a health perspective, and maybe it's because of the diet that I've been on too, and just like how much healthier I've been eating. Maybe I just feel so much more optimistic just about my like longevity of life, right? Like I feel fine there. It's just like now, oh man, it's the market is just. Oh, I'm scared that my money won't grow as fast. <laughs> that's that's the way that I'm looking at it. Like it's really hard for me to not look at it that way, and I'll be doing my darnest bestest to look at it from a different perspective. Um, but yeah, so that, and part of that perspective is looking at just like how far we've overextended with valuation models and, uh, kind of sharing that information along with you and the girls. All right. And that's about it. I want to say that I think today was a pretty good episode. Um, you know, learning just more about the put to call ratio, uh, just a reminder of the FOMC went over earnings a little bit, went over like, like some of the things I've been learning for the valuation models. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just like kind of reflecting also back to like a year ago uh, and like two years ago, man, I feel like I learned so much now about like company financials where I can start having that justify some of my like option plays. And I feel just so much more equipped now than I, than I did like, like the last uh, two and a half years or three years of doing this. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool to look back. And just think like, wow, you know, I did pretty good back then. Um, and uh, a lot of that uh, was due to me just learning about like fundamentals and like not caring about like what others think really and just making sure that, you know, you care about what you think and, you know, no one's going to sell or buy your stock for you. You got to do that on your own. And now I'm just equipping myself with the finance knowledge that I think should always come second to be honest, because it's not realistic to expect the average person to go ahead and learn all of the finance stuff, right? Like it's, you work a full-time job, you you have other hobbies and interests, like it's not realistic to say like, okay, you need to learn what what the difference between unlevered and levered cash flow is and how that influences discounted cash flow analysis. Like, you, you don't need to learn that, I think, when you first start out buying stocks. One of the best key points that I like to give out to newer investors is like buy stuff you use and because you use it you have more belief in the company so whenever there's a downturn like this you'll hold on with a greater chance of success right the next level is like okay is it justified enough that like hey i love using this company but the financials just don't make sense and that might help influence whether or not you sell 
but like the very beginning what is the point of learning all this finance jargon and all these fancy words if you go in with this analysis and then the stock market goes down and then you get scared and you end up selling anyway despite you doing all this due diligence of these financials and then uh doing all this extra work when you just don't have your fundamentals down and fundamentals to me is more like understanding how and when to trade during a red environment right because they, they will always happen people joke all the time the stock market always goes up obviously people are learning that's not true anymore and then now you kind of have to go back and you know or at least i go back and um you know learn from my roots where like the bottom of covid is where i think i hardened a lot of my fundamentals is what i like to describe it as like being able to hold through really rough times and be able to like like filter out the noise people telling me to sell at the bottom and i was just hopeful and that turned out to be one of the best decisions i ever made is just to hold and not listen to everyone that was telling me to sell so there's just always room to learn more there's always room to like go the next step but i think ordering the steps in which you learn things is really important and having that overall or overview analysis of just like okay what do you um think is most important is actually the most important right like i think the most important thing is uh making sure that you feel confident and you feel comfortable in how you invest like there's no use in spending like your entire net worth on a stock position if you know that just means you're gonna sell for a loss later because you get spooked one time uh wow junie you sound like someone that thinks like the market's absolutely gonna go up i don't know why you're saying that this time is different like the inflation's going up interest rates are going up the economy is doomed and all this stuff i don't know why you keep talking like this and why the stock market keeps going up i have no idea if the stock market is going to go back up. I have a good feeling that it it might, and I'm just making sure that I'm never like all in at any given point in time right now because I just don't feel comfortable. Um, I'm looking out for myself. I'm not listening to other people saying like, oh, I would buy the dip here, buy the dip here. Well, I'm not asking like, hey, what do you think about this stock? What do you think about this stock? I'm, doing, I'm taking all the power I can to make sure that I'm making my own decisions here with the best information possible, right? Like, I'm not saying, like, don't listen to Warren Buffett. I'm saying, like, take into consideration what Warren Buffett is saying. Take into consideration, you know, viewpoints from Kathy Wood or, like, literally anyone that you want. I don't necessarily, like, dislike anybody's opinion. Even, like, Jim Cramer. I think he said has he actually says a lot of really good things, um, despite, you know, everyone having that meme of inverse, inversing him. But, uh, yeah, it's just what what you take in to influence your own trading decisions that i think um matters a lot and then having again i just want to bring up this point because i think this is the most important one is the order of operations and like you execute these things in you you should focus on the things that you believe are most fundamental so that in the event that you know that starts to not work you start understanding like oh okay maybe putting more emphasis on this is actually not a good idea. Like what happens if you don't agree with me right now? What if you're saying like, oh, Junie, well, I think that finances are the most important thing and you should learn that first. Well, why don't you do that? And without like 
you know, trading small and trading with real money and, you know, buying stocks that you love. You just trade based on financials and see how that goes. If it goes well, then great. You prove me wrong. If it does not go well, then, well, you know to course correct. And maybe you start buying companies that you like and you start looking at your portfolio less and you realize that, you know, if things turn out to be okay, that the market generally goes up and you've made money. Congrats. So, so many different ways to look at the market. And people are always trying to find the way to make the most amount of money. I'm just giving you a quick and last reminder right here, just at least in terms of this episode, that you know you can do anything that you want. Obviously, uh, we're all trying to lose the least amount of money possible. We're all trying to make the most money as possible. But don't forget to uh, learn. I think that's something that I've, um, you know, lost emphasis in for like, I guess maybe like the last like six months. I mean, the rally and all the money I've been, I was making there got me kind of lazy and like learning like newer concepts because what was working for me was still working. So it's like, I'm not going to bother to change anything or fix it. That seems, you know, kind of not smart in my opinion. But now that I'm understanding like, okay, this this is just another crash and it's not really pandemic related. It's more economics related, right? So there's like a lot less um, ambiguity from like the, 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 the you might die standpoint, but there's like um, ambiguity brought from the economic side, which is kind of interesting, but that's also, you know, putting some correction on stocks that uh, I was previously interested in. And so I'm taking this opportunity to learn. Learning for me is really key and just like how I function. I think, you know, uh, the day that I don't want to try a new hobby or learn a new hobby is the day that, you know, I'm not doing so well, right? Like I'm always interested in learning new things. Uh, it just keeps me motivated in just like life. I think seeing improvements and just like the things I do really drives me to just become better. And uh, a part of that journey right now in my finance hobby is just learning more about how finances work and just like learning more about earnings, um, maybe a few indicators of fear here and there. Um, but yeah, if you feel stuck, if you feel like, like you just want to give up and maybe revisit the stock market later, like by all means, uh, you should do that because I'm not going to try to force or like tell people to invest in things when they don't feel comfortable to. But there is room for you to, you know, learn more about the stock market so that, you know, in the event that the market does bounce, you're even more prepared than you were last time during the COVID rally if you were trading back then or uh, last time in the October 2018 market crash. So that about wraps it up for today's episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, I want to give a uh, extended shout out to a few of my patrons here. Um, that is Pocket Change, Avrilian, Mike D, Slow Motion, JZN, Symmetrics, uh, Pasture Bedtime, Empty Cans, Mods, Norco, Royal, Mitch Baby 7, Upstream Puddle, Craig Thomas, DJ Wilson, BJ Kim, Statistically Random, Steven Shares, um, Mr. Integrity, Jevy, Joffrey 86, Adam Bell, Wheaton, DJ Mac 86, Nal, Vlad TC, Mockman 1856, M. Hayden, Lil, Mr. Sneezy, Dum Dum, Ground Pound 85, Leo Jetson, Fancy Wolf, Mary Strix, C, McFly, Seneca. <sighs> 
Amendment, chicken dinner, Ivan Yurkinov, Arf Man, Lord Skeletor, Lazy Reservist, The Jester, Kaput, Rustier, Shifty, AG, Theta Ray, ULXV, El Finkel for RT, Can't Make Money, RRL, and Ensis88. Um, I want to give a, uh, or not, not give a, but you can follow me on Twitch. I'm, <laughs> these outros, uh, I don't know why I don't bother just recording a default one. I think I just like saying it. Sometimes I confuse myself with the order I say it in. Um, you can follow me on Twitch at Real Theta Game. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Theta Game. You can email me at junie at thetagame.com. Theta Game is proudly partnered with Tastyworks. And signing up with a Theta Game referral code is a huge help. That's Theta Game, one word, all caps. Um, I feel like I talked a lot this episode, uh, and uh, I know I, I keep promising like a really long one percent section. Um, maybe those come later, but like uh, my voice feels very parched, and uh, I'm gonna go get waters downstairs. And I'll just I'll just end the meeting now or meeting uh, the the podcast episode now. So thank you for all for listening. Uh, I know these last few weeks have been really really hard to just like get through um, when it comes to just like investing like anything you've been investing in for like the last like i think like month has just gone down so it's hard to you know continue to feel motivated when you continue to lose money especially in the stock market environment but just know that you know there is room again to just pause and learn you don't have to necessarily just completely step away or just stop investing but you can choose to learn and uh, I came with that rev- came up with that revelation pretty late into the podcast episode, but I think that's um, that is a pretty good theme for today. Uh, anyway, I'll go and see everyone on the next uh, Tuesday live stream uh, this Tuesday at seven thirty p.m. Pacific time on Twitch.tv slash Real Data Gang. Otherwise, I'll see everyone on next week's podcast episode. Thank you. Bye bye.